You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. I'm I think I figured out what was wrong with the volume yesterday. I'm still kind of working my way through it, but I think I'm coming together with a good way to have the volume on the show. If you this is your first time listening, it's not time to jump in on the second part of a two-part conversation, but I was formerly the lead MLB draft and prospect analyst for Scout.com 24-7 and got my start on Indians Baseball Insider way back in the day when it was Indians Prospect Insider. As I mentioned previously, this is going to be the second part of my discussion with Rylan and it's Rylan, not Ryan, as I will misspeak in this podcast. Uh, Rylan from Locked On Royals and Locked On Thunder. He is double dipping. I have no idea how he has the time to do two of these a day, but he gets it done. In addition, I wanted to mention our new partnership app. Let me make sure I get the name right so I don't butcher it here. It's uh, over. You'll. It's only right now on iOS. It's called Locker Room. Tomorrow at 10... 10.15 my time, 11.15 uh, Eastern Standard Time, I'm going to have a locker room open. You can type questions. I think it'll be my first time trying it. I understand I can also allow people to speak in it to ask questions. We'll finish off the top 30 prospects. We'll talk about any other news that occurs. And I'll say questions from people who are there live in the uh, the locker room app. The numbers on it, uh, you know, people are liking it and it's something new. So if you get in there and there's only a few people, don't be surprised. It is a very new app and this is our first week on lockdown rolling it out. So no pressure. But if you have uh, nothing else to do around 1115 Eastern uh, tomorrow night, get a chance to pepper me with questions. Uh, but without any further ado, let's dive into this talk with Rylan. And I think we start right out discussing the central Really interesting takes. Uh, very clear. Kansas City does not... Well, and it's, you know, having talked now with Chicago, Detroit, and Kansas City, no one gives the Indians a chance at this division. And most people don't even think that they have a chance at second. I mean, everyone is kind of lining the Indians up to be third. So, you know, tell me what you think with that. Uh, tell me if I am being, uh, you know, too much of a look on the bright side of life type here. I think in this team still is a wild card contender, but uh, it's been very interesting. I understand the Indians traded Lindor, and you know I talk about that too on either yesterday or today's podcast why the Lindor trade hurts, but why I think this lineup is still better. So we have 32 minutes left in this conversation. Another long podcast today. I hope everyone enjoys. Where are you at with this division in general? Because I think that everyone has a different take in it. I think that everyone sees this division differently. I think that this division is the most interesting one because, you know, of course you have the NL East, which is just seems like anyone could win that division. Like literally even the Marlins could get hot in that division. It feels like, because you know, you can rely on the Mets to always screw it up, but this division is so volatile that for me, I still put the Tigers at five. I think that they're going to be down there a bit. They're going to look more, they're going to look more put together and watching the games, even though the record might not reflect it, watching the games, you'll be able to see improvement in that ball club. But record-wise, I think that they're still fifth. And so then I think one through four, though, there's an interesting dynamic here because I, for one, think that in baseball that the clubhouse matters, at least more than other sports. The off-the-field stuff matters. 
And I want to know how does Larusa and impact these young players in Chicago who are young players and even without the LaRusa effect could very well see a step back here just because they're a young a young team in Minnesota guys like guys like Nelson Cruz eventually father time has to catch up with father Cruz with 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 Nelson Cruz to where it brings him back down to earth and that changes that dynamic of that lineup and then with Cleveland I don't like their lineup per se and maybe you can convince me of their lineup I don't like their lineup but but the pitching we can't doubt that they have the police sacks they have the Beavers that they have the, the pitching and even beyond those two it seems like Cleveland just always finds good pitchers just some way somehow every year a new guy pops onto the scene so they're going to have the pitching and then in Kansas City again that lineup is good if you can get everyone clicking at the same time plus you have the young arms and you have a, a, a decent bullpen that you can throw out there as well I just am fascinated by you mentioning Cleveland in second. Who do you have at first and who do you have at third in this division? So, you know, I'll start off. I'm intrigued to see the Tigers. I think they'll be fifth as well. You know, this might get me in trouble with Orioles fans, but they have my favorite grouping of young pitching prospects in the division. Uh, and that shouldn't come to a surprise as anyone who used to follow me when I was a draft person. I mean, Fayetto is hurt, but I was huge on him. I was on, I was, I, I led the Casey Bant. Casey Mize bandwagon. I had him as the top overall prospect in June uh, and not like the June of the year he was drafted the year before. Uh, so that that's a fun group. I just have major concerns with Detroit's development. I was uh, messaging someone today about that and they were talking about how Detroit can't draft. And I'm like, the Indians made a trade and Willie Castro has been great for the Tigers, but they got Kyle Dowdy in that deal. And the Indians added Kyle Dowdy. And within a month of him coming to the organization, this was a guy who's already in double A. It's not like he was a young guy he added four miles an hour to his fastball. Like that's just I'm not sure if the Indians are that good or if the Tigers are that bad or if it's somewhere in between, but there's obviously an issue specifically. I think more with the Tigers. I still think the white Sox are one, but I will my kind of caveat, my big concern for uh, them is one, like what the bit of a collapse with them as a team and, with Lewis Robert last year, um, there was a point in time where I had people coming out of the woodwork to tell me because I was low on him because the I was low on him because of the history of the Cuban American, the Cuban, not Cuban American, just the Cuban signings had not been great in recent memory. Uh, so I'm curious to see how he bounces back uh, if he plays more like first half or second half. And, you know, with Grandel hurt, maybe he's going to DH for them to start the year. And their catcher situation, I mean, is, is if Jonathan Lucroy is going to get significant at-bats, that's not ideal. And then Lance Lynn, uh, you know, I don't know what to make of him. He was just a mid-rotation guy until he got to his 30s, and the last two years has been great. Uh, it's the same thing with the kind of the back of the rotation there, and that's that'd be my concern. I still think the White Sox are the team to beat, but it's like Lynn sees uh, – well, Lynn is solid. At least he's going to be a solid mid-guy, but Cease and uh, Rondone are concerns. And then for me with the twins, like they're kind of the, you know, it's a team who's uh, Derek Falvey came from the Indians and he went there and created the like bizarro Indians where it's all hitting and the pitching's the concern. And that lineup is dynamite and their depth is dynamite. You go over to roster resource and, you know, Mitch Garver, who in 2019 looked like a potential star is the backup catcher. Uh, Luis Azarez, whose name I know I'm butchering who's been a solid player for them is now a backup. They have all those pieces, but man, Pineda is your three half shoemaker that pitching staff. I just have no faith in. And you know, Kenta Maeda, I loved uh, two years ago. I was talking about trying to get him 
from the Dodgers and a potential Lindor trade before the Betts deal happened, just because he had such a team-friendly contract and the Indians need such things. But there's no way he's going to replicate. He he has no history of that. And as a player who's going to be 33 this season, the the odds of him returning to earth are high. Now there's also the chance that you know Jose Barrios uh, rebounds, but in that pitching staff, that that's why I don't necessarily believe in the Twins, and they don't have any horses to come help them. They're pitching. Their top prospects are almost all hitters. Uh, many of them already in the bigs. They don't even really have a lot of pieces anymore to go out and make a, a trade to get them pitching. And I guess that's my concern. Now they do have that depth. Uh, you can always flip a catcher to somewhere, but I, I, I am concerned about their pitching. Like that is why I'm not as high on them uh, and why I kind of have them at third. And I'm sure that Nash and I will, will go into that one in depth. Uh, Cause you know, I'm going to be accused of being a Homer on my end and I accept that. Uh, but I think that pitching is hard to look past. And then just for the, the Indians, the reason why I kind of think that they could be in second. Now I think the Indians might have also the biggest range. I could see them being anywhere from like a 70 win team to a 90 win team uh, is that pitching staff. And then, you know, I, I mentioned it very briefly, but their lineup is going to be better. And that might sound crazy to anyone who didn't follow this team every single day. But Francisco Lindor had a, a down year and he tired out and uh, the past two years. And he even talked about that recently, that his conditioning wasn't as great last year. And if Jimenez can do what he did for the Mets and be league average and their outfield, people throw around the word historical way too much, but their outfield was legitimately historically bad. And adding Eddie Rosario is a, a massive improvement over anything they had in that outfield. And you're hoping that someone like Nolan Jones is going to step in in the later part of the year in that outfield as well. We'll see if Rosario can work out in center. They've still got their other concerns, but even with the loss of Lindor, thanks to young players hitting the big leagues and some other additions, I think the lineup is going to be stronger in a year ago because I mean, I love Carlos Santana, but he was not good last year and I love Lindor, but he was not the same Lindor as he had been. And you still got Jose Ramirez and they brought back Cesar Hernandez and, it's a minor league system that is widely considered one of the top 10 in baseball. And it's starting to put guys into their active roster after a few years of not. So they're kind of set up to, and they're also under a massive 40 man crunch, which can be bad, but it also sets them up that if they need to go out and add a piece, they're going to have a lot of ready available pieces to go out and make trades much like the Padres did with the Royals last year. We have talked about Rock Auto so many times on the show, and they've been a great sponsor for hard to believe almost a year now. And what I've talked about with Rock Auto is on top of it being a family-owned business, one central location to cost to keep cost and overhead low. It's just a great tool for anyone who has a car. It gives you the power of knowledge. It allows you to know how much pieces and parts cost in your car. So next time something goes wrong, and we've all and everyone who out there has had a car knows something is going to go wrong, you get to go in with that knowledge, with that information of what that piece really costs to make sure that you are getting the right deal. And if you're not, find a place where you can uh, bring your own parts and get them from Rock Auto and save yourself money. Remember, when you go to Rock Auto in the How Did You Hear About Us box, right locked on, right locked on MLB, right locked on Indians, something to let them know their advertising dollars are well spent. RockAuto.com. I know nothing about cars. I can navigate that site with ease, find the part I would need for my car, and be able to order it. Go check it out for yourself today. RockAuto.com. And remember to tell them that Locked On sent you. This is also a reminder to go check out Locked On Bets, one of our newest podcasts 
featuring Lee Sterling and your boy Q, all the information you will need to go out and make the right call. Go check out Locked On Bets today. So what is your most underrated portion of this Indians team? It's a good question. Um, no, I, feel I like... think that the Indians are kind of getting buried a bit. I think that it's it's always looked at as you know Chicago, Minnesota, and then third is, is going to be Cleveland or Kansas City, and then from there it's Detroit. So so what is what is everyone overlooking when they just kind of pencil in Cleveland for third? I think it's the fact that everyone just assumes the lineup is not going to be good, and not not to say it's going to be good. But the overall assumption is like it was bad last year and they traded Lindor. It's going to be worse. But as I've stated, you know, as I stated, it's like adding it at a, Eddie, you know, I talked about Oscar Mercado last year as a center fielder, he had a negative 11 WRC runs created plus. I had never knew that a negative score was possible until last year. Uh, Domingo Santana and Delano de Shields got a ton of at bats. They went out and were playing guys that were not even close to league average. Lee, I mean, playing a guy who was a degree below league average would have been a massive improvement for them. So you're taking that out of the equation, and now you're bringing in Eddie Rosario, eventually Nolan Jones, who's you know one of the top prospects in baseball, one of the top 50 or so. And then we'll see what happens with Rosario. We'll see if they uh, go out and make a deal at some point. But I think you know adding Josh Naylor as well, they – They've done a lot in the past few, you know, months through their trades and then in free agency to to supplement the core that was in place. And then again, it's it's the young players are coming ready and they're coming ready in waves. They're gonna have I, I was doing my top fifth top 30 prospects on the show last night, uh, for the Indians. And I think of those top 15, three are already on the 40 man and five are gonna have to be added before uh the next rule five draft period that's just and that's wave one they have so much coming through that they're going to either have to figure out what they're going to do with these guys or they're going to be in a situation where they're going to start to be able to make smart moves go out and try to add talent that you know they're not going to go out and buy uh you know they might pay small cost for an expiring player on the cheap but i think they could start to go out and look for teams that you know maybe like a pirate situation where uh, if there's a, a player that you can get a few years of control and that team just wants far away prospects, I mean, the Indians are set up for that. And like I said, they lost Lindor, but Lindor was this team's third best player, honestly. Uh, and that's kind of gets overlooked. Everyone wants to talk about, you know, the Indians trade their best player. They didn't. And again, they traded a guy who's a potential hall of famer. Don't get me wrong, but he was their third best player a year ago. And he had had some problems with injuries and then wasn't in his best shape. He's still going to be a great player. And the loss of Clevenger, I, I, to me, that's, it's crazy to say this, that that doesn't hurt the team, but the last few years, they had so little time with Clevenger because the guy couldn't stay healthy, couldn't stay on the field, that that was already something they were prepared for. And Lindor was already something they were prepared for. And they've been, doing you know even going back to the bauer deal they've been making all of these moves so they don't fall apart and that these waves keep coming and i guess it was keith law gave them the third best minor league system in baseball now i don't necessarily agree with that i'm not as high on some of the guys as he is but they are in this situation where the the youth is right there uh 
I was looking at the fan graphs list because they're on roster resource, like seven players ranked in the fan graphs, uh, top 120, you know, you compare that to someone like the white Sox who have four, as I was looking here, the twins also have seven and I'd have to pull up the Royals and tigers, but they have a weird amount of young players for a team that has pretty much been in consistent contention since 2013. Yeah. The tigers only have six in the fan graphs and the Royals only have four. So what is the expectation level then for Cleveland? Cause I think that this is interesting that I, I never, I never viewed Cleveland as this, as the way that you're describing right now. And you're someone who follows the team every day. So this is great for, for, for Kansas city fans who have kind of just kind of put the playoffs in their head, but to get to the playoffs, you, you got to topple these teams. You got to topple Chicago and Minnesota. And I think that as Kansas city fans, we've kind of gotten ahead of ourselves uh, of just kind of placing Kansas city already above Cleveland. I've done it. I've done it myself. So what is the expectation then for Cleveland fans this year? What does Cleveland have to do for it to be a successful year? Make the playoffs. I mean, they're expected in the area to make the playoffs. Uh, When you have the rotation they have and you have some of the young players and you have an MVP candidate and Jose Ramirez, uh, they're expected to make the playoffs. And the, the thing with them is just the, with that pitching, it's, it's going to be interesting but, you know, I saw the like fan graphs did their top 10 rotations and the Indians didn't make it. And I was like, really? You know, because Shane Bieber is pretty good. And even if you want to sell that Zach Plesak might have been a one year wonder, you're, the Brewers are better. Like Corbin Burns and Woodruff, you could compare. And then the back end, you know, like someone like Aaron Sabali is criminally underrated right now compared to baseball. I'm not as high on Tristan McKenzie. Uh, the reports on Quantrell are really positive. We'll see what happens once the season begins. But, it's pretty much playoffs or bust is the general view in Cleveland. And that seems to be fans and management. There aren't a lot of people expecting this team to, if they are below 500, I think it's going to be a shock. That's interesting. I think that that kind of shows where the difference is for these two you know, teams, because I think that the expectation for Kansas city, at least for me, it's, it's been simply put as be competitive every day. Do not have these stretches where, you're playing unwatchable baseball. I want this. I want this Royals team to be relevant in Kansas City, be watchable, be attention getters in Kansas City. The day that Mahomes steps back on the football field, I don't want the fan base. I don't want the media. I don't want everyone turning their attention back to football once football starts because I want Kansas City and the Royals to be within that within that six game span, that five six game span of the playoffs and, and playing competitive ball and having these young players up and having some fun every single day. And, and you never know what's going to happen when they take the field because they can beat anybody. I want that kind of atmosphere back in Kansas city this year. And I, and I don't think you have to make the playoffs to, to reach that plateau. I think you just have to be you know, third place or competing for third place somewhere in that ballpark. I just want kind of competitive baseball, good baseball being played for Kansas city and, and for Cleveland it, it's playoffs or bust. Yeah, it's it's an interesting team. I was talking about last week, but I don't think how many people realize like the old man on this pitching staff, not necessarily in terms of games, but in terms of age, is Zach Plesac. Uh, the there are only free agents in the next two years, or Eddie Rosario and um, Cesar Hernandez, who they signed this past year. The core of this team is essentially together for the next three seasons, if they should so choose, and they're kind of building 
these next three years, like I said, these waves of prospects are hitting uh, to really be that this is, this is kind of an, they're a, a, another window. Like the last window, Jose Ramirez was the only player left in that world series team, but this is the beginning of kind of what they view as the, the next stage, the next step. And that's why when they went and they traded someone like Bauer, they got Fran Mil Reyes and they got Logan Allen uh, as the primary pieces. Cause it was always, or when they went and made the Clevenger deal, why they got Quantrell and Naylor or the Lindor deal. And it's why the top two pieces were Jimenez and Rosario. They were all about staying competitive, but extending their window. So they went for less flash, but went for more certainty and more can slot right in. So their, uh, their whole approach, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they are tissue paper thin. If, if the wrong guy goes down, they're going to be in some serious trouble, but uh, they are, and especially because I think in Cleveland, honestly, this is probably Tito Francona's last year, which behooves them a little bit more in him himself, a little bit more to try to go all in maybe. So I, I want to get your take real quick on by junior, because you have to talk about by junior to be on a Rose podcast, obviously. What, what would you do? I, I gave you all that preamble information on the, on the front of this podcast. You're dating more right now. You, I I've hired you as the Royals GM. Is he on this roster opening day? Is he on this roster midway through the season? Or is he on this roster at all this year in Kansas city? Another one of our great sponsors is betonline.ag. Now I was over on betonline because we were talking earlier in the show about the the perspectives on how the Indians will do this year. And I thought, let's see what betonline thinks. Let's look at the division. Chicago White Sox, the over-under for them is at 90 and a half wins. I think most agree they're the favorite to take this division as of now. Minnesota is at 88 and a half. The Indians are down at 81 and a half. Uh, so... And then on the other side of things, you have Kansas City at 72 and a half. So it is interesting when you go to bet online. And if you do go to bet online, you sign up for an account. Remember to use the promo code locked on to get a 50% deposit bonus that bet online sees the gap between the Indians and the twins nearly as big as between the Indians and the Royals. So I'm not sure uh, if that means that we're expecting too much of the Indians or if people are expecting too much of the Royals or if it doesn't mean anything at all. But if you are curious to go check out other lines like that, go to Bet Online today. Remember that promo code locked on to get your bonus when you make your first deposit. Bet Online, promo code locked on. The sweetest of 16, as they're calling it over at BuiltBar.com, is still going on right now, as well as a million-dollar giveaway. So you can go check that out. You don't even have to, uh, no purchase necessary for the giveaway. Uh, but when you go over there, their Sweet 16 tournament that we've been following every single day here on the podcast discussing the flavors and why it is that uh, I would pick certain flavors to win. So yesterday I chose mint brownie over toffee almond. People agreed with me and that is the advancing flavor on that side of things. Right now we have a peanut butter versus coconut puff. Now I've talked about that one of the things they do super well is coconut in general. Peanut butter was not my favorite one. I did not pick it to get out of the first round against orange. I am definitely taking coconut puff in this matchup. If these flavors or any of the dozen others I have sound good to you, go over to Built Bar today. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20. That is the best discount you will get from them anywhere. Uh, having ordered from them, they send me promo codes. It's only for 15%. LOCKEDON20 gives you 20%. That's the best you can find on these fantastic products. I have, I'm have i on my fourth order through Built Bar uh, so far, and I have never regretted it once. It is a fantastic product. They have... The bars, they have the the goes to put in your drinks. They have the 
quick energy pouches. They have so many things. Go check out Built Bar for yourself. You're going to love it. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20. Helps us, helps you. BuiltBar.com. They're just delicious. Well, if I was running the Royals, I, you know, I have to be honest, I wouldn't have drafted him. Uh, that, I wasn't the highest on Bobby Wood Jr. So we'll have to see. Uh, I think, you know, one of those things is I've definitely, through time, I, I've warmed to him. Now, it, by, it wasn't the highest. I think I had him fourth on my board that year. So it's all relative. Uh, but it, he's done enough in a short time to make me regret some of the things I had in the profile to a degree. Uh, I still, to me, I wouldn't have him up at all this year. I, I know there's been improvements and I know, you know, camp and all this, but I'll stand that like minor league camp doesn't mean anything. And I think, or not my, you know, spring training, I should say, doesn't mean anything. And we've seen that with like Trevor Bauer pitching with his eyes closed. And as a Cleveland fan in the past few years, like pitchers experimenting with new pitches and not even using their best stuff. And a lot of guys kind of go out there and, you know, it, I've got all these Indians fans very excited about Yu Chen Chang and I was hitting a bunch of home runs and I'm like, he did literally the same thing last year. And I say this as the high man on Yu Chen Chang, where I've said for a while, I think he could be a league average starter, maybe slightly below, but people get very excited. So I got to still see that Bobby Witt, his hit tool concerns are proven. I need to see him face a little bit higher level of competition. I got to see that. Uh, that the swing and the miss concerns were part of the reason I was not, you know, I didn't have him one, one or one, two, like a lot of places had in that draft. Uh, it's not to say, and again, I mean, I am wrong all the time and uh, high ceiling prep players with questionable hit tools are definitely something that scare me in general. So there's, you know, I was always almost like predetermined to be a little more wary of him than most, but I need to see minor league seasons. And then, you know, you're talking about this year that being competitive is the goal. I'm not using that extra year. Uh, if I'm a team, he's never played above rookie ball. You have every reason to let him get some more reps and to conserve that clock on him until you you're actually have a chance to compete. So maybe it's not what people want to hear on multiple levels, but I would be putting him in high A, letting him spend half the year there, then half the year in double A. And if the team shows improvement, like maybe... June of next year, that's when I'd be really looking and considering trying to get him up. Maybe, like I said, it's probably not what people want to hear, but that's, that's where I would just take the super conservative approach. So do you think that this is going to be the last year where you, where you can play that service time game? You think that with this new CBA coming up at the end of this year, that they're going to kind of find a path to eliminate that? Or do you think that there's just nothing you can do to eliminate that, that manipulation of the service time? I, I don't see how you eliminate it just from the, you know, players have brought cases uh, through arbitration, like, you know, and people think, so we talk about the whole idea of service time and manipulation, and we all agree there's service time manipulation, but the players lose their court cases with an impartial arbitrator all the time. So if, if no player has ever won that case, it's going to make it really hard to get rid of. And it's going to be a really contentious CBA. And the one thing we know about the players is they don't care about the people who aren't part of the association, which means by and large uh, amateurs and a lot of times players in the minors, they're not going to give up anything to get that early year. Uh, a lot of stuff is going to be talked about with other things, but I just don't think it's going to be a driving point. I think we've seen them like the, the current uh, draft system went into place in 2012, like in the old system, you got kind of your finger shook at you when you spent too much. And as an Indians fan, it's unfortunate because in the last two years of the draft, they kind of went, 
they were up there spending as much as the Yankees and the Royals were a team that also benefited in that old system. I mean, the, that world series team was built by going over slot all the time with early and late picks. And it was a real advantage. And then uh, when they had the CBA, the players very quickly gave that up for like a very minor point. So I think we'll still see the service time manipulation in some form. I just, I don't think it'll be enough of a driving point to change it. And it's, it's, it's hard to like point it out. It's one of those things where we all talk about it, but like when you have to put it in like cement words, you have to really say this, this, and this, it can, you know, with someone like Bobby Witt, it's easy to be like, well, he's just not ready yet. Or the Indians, we think Andres Jimenez, we have our own situation with the young shortstop. We think he's going to be our starter now, but there's always the talk where, well, you know what? He skipped AAA and jumped to the majors. And he's only 21. Sure, he played all of last season as a starting shortstop for the Mets, but maybe we could send him down to AAA to start the year because we think he needs more seasoning. And it's like when that is still something that gets talked about, I think it's it's just so hard to to label it a hundred percent. Now I think the Indians is, is again, a lot more easy to point out, but I just think back to like the Chris Bryant case where that was very clear. I thought, but he still lost in arbitration. So are you with me though? The last thing with the CBA, cause we're going to have a yeah. long time to talk about the CBA. Are you with me though about this CBA? We're going to get it universal DH. We're going to get expanded postseason for sure. Or do you think that there's still a chance we don't see that in this new CBA? I think we get universal DH. I don't see the, the players are smart enough now and agents have talked I expanded postseason, I think is going to be a huge sticking point uh, because teams players already see it as teams don't want to spend. And when you have that expanded postseason and more teams can make it, then there's, you know, the, the Indians greatest season was the year that three fifths of the rotation got hurt and didn't even pitch in the postseason. teams know that it's just about making it and anything can happen. The Washington nationals, uh, should not have won the year they won. You look at that. I mean, Howie Kendrick came alive for them. He hadn't come alive really in his entire career. And and you had, I mean, one could argue the Royals were a stronger team. I felt like the year before they won. And we all kind of know that it, there is that degree of luck. And when you make it so more teams can make it, you're really de-incentivizing spending. So I don't know if we'll get expanded postseason. If it happens, I'll be very curious to see. Because I mean, essentially, we're, we don't have a DH this year because owners thought those two things were even expanded postseason and a DH and the players were like, no, not even close, not even remotely. So, I mean, there's going to be so many things that are being debated and it'll be interesting to see how they go about it. I I do think we'll see the universal DH expanded postseason. The the owners would have to give up something pretty big and I'll be curious to see what that could be potentially, but I think that is going to be a lot bigger fight than anyone maybe anticipated even a year ago. That's interesting. And you're right. I mean, getting in the dance is, is all the, is the entire battle in baseball. I mean, if Kansas city and that wild card game against Oakland doesn't have the ball wrapped perfectly around the bag, or doesn't have the Oakland outfielders colliding on that Hosmer hit. I mean, they don't advance past the wild card game. Then what happens to them the next year? And then in 2015, it took miracle comeback since the Houston Astros and the Toronto blue Jays to go to the world series. And then even though they went into five in the world series game one, you had the, a massive Alex Gordon home run. How many times can you bank on that? And then you had the mad dash home where Fluka Studa can just throw a baseball. Hosmer's out by a mile and that whole game changes in game five. So all of this stuff, every champion, I think has stories like that to where you can nitpick and, and figure out ways where they don't win and, and ways that they don't win at all to where expanding that postseason, you're right. It does add a lot of randomness to it. And it uh, does allow their owners to say, look, 
this team's good enough to get in. And so we're done improving it because once you get in, anything can happen as long as you're good enough to get in. Yeah. And I think, you know, the Indians are a team that that's what they would love. Like, you know, that's this ownership group. And it's, like I said, it's, I was being a Cleveland fan. Like there are definitely points where I think ownership wise, I'm, I'm jealous of Kansas city where you've had the stability of the hunts. And I know there's some up and down uh, at points with things, but you know, it's, it's it seems it's, we would uh, we'd love the success the, the chiefs have had of late. <laughs> and uh you know, the Haslam has kind of been embarrassing up until this past year. You know, there's been some articles out there. One can find, uh, so like Seth Wickersham two years ago had a one that was mind blowing. When you look at the Dan Gilbert situation, then you look at, I mean, Dolan is arguably in spite of everything, the Indians, the best owner in Cleveland, because he gets out of the way and lets baseball people do their job. Uh, but this, again, a team that has been in contention every single year since 2013 has, the you know has made the postseason has that additional revenue and money and is competing with the pirates for the lowest payroll in baseball so it's uh if you de-incentivize winning even more you're gonna see i mean it's you're encouraging baseball to have more owners like the dolans you're encouraging baseball to have more owners who are you know like the rockies where you know we saw that terrible arenado deal you don't want to encourage owners to be able to spend less to find success and Hopefully we'll get more John Sherman's out there. Like I said, is if there's one takeaway, if there's any Royals fan who's like uh, not happy with some of my statements, which I totally understand, uh, everything in baseball is very much I had the beholder. No above and beyond anything. Uh, sitting here as an Indians fan, I am so so jealous. A of the stadium. It's my favorite stadium. I don't. It, as a child, I fell in love with with the fountains. My wife did her postdoc at, at uh, Missouri, so I finally got to go to some games there a few years ago, but a very jealous of the stadium and two very jealous of that ownership uh, group and those in charge. It's no matter what happens this year, I, you know, I, they have the pieces. And when you have that ownership like that in place, they're going to be good at some point. This isn't going to be like when I was a kid in the, in the eighties where the Royals were good. And then there was the 20 years of disaster. This is a team that I, as someone who, who spends a lot of time on prospects and draft and the like, I, and just the ownership, I, I'm envious of where I think the Royals will go. That is encouraging to hear. I, I think that that's a good place for Royals fans to kind of decompress and <laughs> and remember that statement right there to, yes. to end things off at because it, it's coming. It might not be this year the way that we all want it to be, but it's coming. It's, it's not going to take 30 years again. It's coming. It's not going to take your your offspring to finally see their first you know, world series or their first playoff, at least whenever they're in high school, it's not going to take all that. It's, it's going to happen sooner rather than later. And whenever it does happen, how fun is this going to be? Cause it's going to collide with the chiefs because Mahomes ain't going anywhere anytime soon. And you're going to hopefully win as a Royal before that 50 million year contracts up with Mahomes. So that's going to be a really fun time in Kansas city when they're both cooking on all cylinders. So that's going to be really fun. You know, no matter what happens with this year, this draft is loaded. You know, maybe it's a quick uh, chance to talk about that. Like, I mean, it's still like my first baseball love is following the draft and the Royals have, it's like, you know, being bad last year is going to benefit them. They're going to still have that high pick. They're going to get multiple really good prospects because they kicked the draft down the road. So they're in a position and that's, you know, above and beyond even just last year where everyone goes, Oh, the Royals are treating people well. And they, they were able to, as undrafted free agents, sign a pool of draft picks that was as good as a few teams' draft pools, I felt like. 
So they're, I mean, the depth they're building up is also envious. And uh, we talked about some of those prospects today, but it's just going to keep getting better for them specifically when that draft rolls around. So that's another reason why I think uh, a lot of fans should be envious of the Royal situation. I'm excited for the future and hopefully the future is now, but if it's not, it's still going to be really, really bright. And I think Cleveland, you mentioned how sustainable they're building their team. They'll still be hanging around whenever Kansas city gets their big guns up there. So this can be the start of a fantastic rivalry. And whenever they play, we have to call it the Sherman cup. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm, you know, we can put a little mustache on it. I think is <laughs> little trophy, right? Doesn't he have one or didn't he have one? Or am I just totally imagining the wrong picture in my head of him? Oh, he, he has one. He has okay. One. Yes. Okay, good. It's like, I have a picture. Maybe, you know, sometimes old white dudes kind of blend in my head, even though I'm turning into one of them, but you know, those ownership groups, uh, sometimes I forget what everyone looks like and get like a little trophy with a, his mustache. But yeah, it's uh, like I said, I, I will always have a soft spot for the Royals because I, I don't know why, but I fell in love with, uh, with Kaufman at a young age. And if the Indians can't play well, uh, it's, I, I'm always going to be happy if it's the Royals or the Tigers. Cause I fell in love with uh, old tiger stadium as well at a young age. So, uh, I'm rooting for the bottom this year. Let's put it that way. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be happy if it's one of those three who come out. Hopefully it is one of those three and hopefully it's one of the two between Cleveland and Kansas city. And, and, I- We'll be at least the ones celebrating. Oh, t- you know, it's, not that it's, not that Chris celebrating is a bad thing. I like Chris, no. but one of us needs to win it. I uh, anything good that happens to Carlos Santana is going to make me happy. Like I, he is such a funny, good dude by every account I've ever seen. So like, I already have my reasons to like the Royals, but Carlos Santana, it's like it, when the Indians aren't facing the Royals just for Carlos Santana's sake, I'm going to be rooting for the Royals in every other game. I hope that they can win every other game because if they do, then they'd be a wild card team. So maybe with our powers combining to root them on, they can do that. Yeah, we can do like a Captain Planet type of deal there. But, you know, thanks for coming on and talking. I think, like I said, I think these teams are so have so many connections. It's it's definitely fun to talk about. We'll have to reconvene during the season, see how things go, see if uh, I was you know, maybe trying to balance out so much of the negativity with too much positivity and uh We'll, we'll have to see or if and things end up that these two teams are competing. And uh, like I said, that's the hope. But thank you for coming on and thank you for letting me come on to Locked on Royals as well. It was awesome. Divisional days have been fun. No, I agree. Uh, so just and a big thank you to all of the fans. Remember to to check out uh, Locked on Indians. Uh, I'll be doing draft talk if you're a Royals fan. So there might be some some value in there. Check out Locked On Royals and Locked On Thunder. That's Ryan is doing double duty over there. I, I don't know how you manage to do two a day. That impresses me so much. But check out all of those shows and uh, all of our sister shows, but specifically those three uh, to to go check out. Uh, I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. Where can they find you, Ryan? You can find me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles at R Y L A N underscore S T I L E S, and of course Locked On Royals, Locked On Thunder. And I can't read it. Rylan, I'm, <laughs> I'm calling you the wrong You're name fine. the whole time. You didn't correct me. You're fine. I, uh, this, see this, uh, this is the problem with being dyslexic. I just default to names. But uh, <laughs> I, I terribly, terribly apologize <laughs> at the end of the show. I knew that. And then I, uh, long day of teaching. So I'll make that my excuse. I'm so sorry. But again, go follow him to make up for me being uh, a bit of a, of a jerk at the end here. So uh, thank you all. <laughs> For listening and uh go go royals go indians 
I could have probably broken this down and done a whole nother podcast. It is over 39 minutes. We're going to be over 40. And that's without the ads at the beginning and end of this one. So in a quick wrap up, I've been Jeff Ellis, your host. Remember to check out the Locker Room app to potentially chat with me tomorrow on the podcast. And for the next year, at least, go Tribe.